The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was in college, I was exposed to a lot of new ideas. Some of those were good. That school is a lot closer to insanity now. But back in the good old days of the late 90s, you could still get a good quality uh, liberal arts education. Among the new ideas, though, that I learned were what is called historical criticism, or the historical criticism of the Bible, as I took several introductory Bible classes. While a lot of historical criticism can be interesting and helpful, the author of the textbooks that we used for that class really used those tools as a cudgel against Orthodox Christianity. He had left the evangelical faith of his youth, and he seemed to want everyone else to do the same. So the textbooks were written in a way to sort of spur one to doubt the reliability of the Bible, for example. So as a 19-year-old, I found myself wondering if I could really trust the Bible, if it was really true. And I, I really only had, you know, a Sunday school education in my, my childhood church to fall back on, which was good for what it was, but it wasn't enough to combat really smart people making me feel really dumb. So naturally, I scheduled a time to talk to my professor. I, I wondered how he, I mean, he was the one who had the syllabus, right? He was administering these books. So how could he still be faithful? How could he still believe, given all of the stuff that he was teaching? How did he still trust the scriptures? Surely, if he could explain it to me, then I could regain my footing. Well, it turned out he was a Buddhist. So he was not much help at all in answering any of my core question. He agreed with the author of the textbooks. Here I was at a Methodist school thinking all the professors were like still Christian or something. Oh, was I wrong? He did, however, he wasn't totally unsympathetic to my, my questions. He did make 
one point that made a lot of sense to me. He said, well, I think, you know, the fact that you're really struggling with this and asking questions, uh, the fact that you really want to know the truth, it, it means that you still possess faith. Well, faith was the very thing I was worried that I had lost. But the fact that I was still sort of fighting meant that I had something to work with, something to build on. I still had the desire for the Christian scriptures to be true, for the Christian claims to be true. And far from that being the death blow to my faith, that was actually a sign that it was still alive and kicking. Well, I thought of that because in John 10, this is the great, you know, Good Shepherd uh, series of passages, Jesus is speaking to those who are uh, among the faithful and then those who are not. There is really a pretty clear in-crowd and out-crowd. If any of us possess a smidgen of compassion, this might actually make us uncomfortable. After all, there are those for whom Jesus is the good shepherd. And then there are some who Jesus seems to leave out. He says that the sheep are called by the good shepherd and they follow his voice. He provides for and protects the sheep. And there is this connection between the sheep and the shepherd that no one can break. I mean, no one can snatch the sheep out of the hand of the Father. And when he says, you know, I and the Father are one, I don't know that that's the best text to say prove the Trinity or something like that. It's a good one. But what it says is that the Jesus and the Father, they, they hand in glove, they work absolutely synchronous. That, I shouldn't have used that word. They work together uh, to, uh, with, to, for God's elect people to be brought under the care of the Good Shepherd. And so it's good news, of course, for all those of us who believe we're inside the sheepfold. But what about those outside? Because obviously, Jesus' context here is, is, is people who are on the outside, and that's what he's saying. This, this claim to be the fulfillment of Psalm 23, and yes, we did use a, an unusual, perhaps, translation of the 23rd Psalm today, but that's one of the best ways to get out of your, your comfort level with the, the Bible. Just read a different English translation from time to time. That's a very literal translation we read today. But when he talks about how he is the good shepherd, he has Psalm 23 in mind, right? And this is in response to pleas from maybe the enemies of Christ or definitely people who are skeptical, I would say, that Jesus would stop being coy, right? They, they say to him, Jesus, just come out with it already. Are you the Messiah or not? Tell us plainly. And Jesus responds, I have told you, right? So the problem isn't with what Jesus is saying. It's with what the people are hearing. And why don't they hear? Well, why don't they believe? Jesus' answer is simple, but it has left a lot of people very unsatisfied. He says, you do not believe because you are not among the sheep. Remember, the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. 
So why aren't they hearing? Because they're not part of the sheepfold. So it sounds like what Jesus is saying is that to believe, we actually need to be made Christ's sheep first. Then we will have the ears to hear. It's like we'll be given the ears to hear. We can't help but to hear. And that conclusion is very unsatisfying to a lot of people, even to a lot of Christians. And a lot of ink has been spilled through the centuries about whether Jesus really means what it sounds like he's saying. Surely there's some kind of workaround, right, to being in the pen? Surely there's something that we can do to be part of the flock? Or does God just sovereignly and randomly pick some people out of obscurity, make them sheep, give them ears to hear, and then they respond to the shepherd? That seems to be what Jesus is saying. Because again, he said, hey, I've told you. I've told you. I've said it. Why can't you hear it? Well, of course, I don't believe God ever does anything randomly, but rather he does everything according to his will and his good pleasure. And yes, if we must choose, we are going to give God the credit, even for the response of the called sheep. And that's good news. For if there is something that we can do, or we must do, to become part of the sheepfold, then that means we're equally powerful to leave the flock as well. And Jesus says that flat out cannot happen. It cannot happen. He says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That is, then, our great assurance. For those of us who claim Christ as Lord, we might wonder from time to time, but how do I know that I'm really part of the flock? Is it possible I'm just going through all these motions, but I'm not actually a sheep of Christ? Is it possible that I might die and then find out everything I believed was totally wrong? The answer is no. Because, you see, you don't really have anything to do. Nothing has been placed before you to be one of the sheep. You didn't do anything to be a sheep, and you can't stop being a sheep either. And if you find yourself bothered, questioning things, asking those questions, well, I would say it's a good sign. Your faith is still alive and kicking just like mine was when I went and talked to my professor, the Buddhist, who didn't believe a single thing that I hoped he would. Now, if some of that sounds a little too good to be true, like, huh, God does all this stuff, we find ourselves as sheep, etc., or if it even sounds unfair in some ways, because this text has struck a lot of people as unfair, right? Well, that is why they call it grace. Grace is controversial. Okay, it's not just a nice word. It's, it should be controversial. God's grace is the work of God in our life, even when we don't deserve it, perhaps especially when we don't deserve it. If we deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. That's why it's controversial. 
And if we could be saved by anything but grace, then the entire burden would fall onto you to be saved and to remain saved. Those were the very issues the Reformation was all about. But what about those outside the flock, those who can't seem to find their way in through no fault of their own? Well, we're troubled by, by these poor souls, aren't we? I am. That's because we hate the idea of not being one of Christ's sheep. Remember, your being unhappy when you are distant from God is a sign of faith. But they aren't troubled at all. Sadly, quite the opposite is often the case. They're often proud in their hatred of Jesus. They mock him. They ridicule him. They have all of the same opportunities to repent and to be reconciled to God, the same ones that we do. We see this in the scriptures and in our daily lives. There's nothing preventing them from going to any number of tens of thousands of congregations on a Sunday morning, inviting a pastor uh, out to coffee. We would always go to one of those. Watching any one of the, I don't know, 18 billion videos on YouTube that explain what Christians believe and teach. They just don't want to. To those outside of the sheepfold who are perfectly happy to be there, we say, repent. What we want for them is to be as disturbed as we are for them. We want them to want God. But we can't make that happen, and neither can they. That is the work of the Spirit. And that is why when one is in the hand of the shepherd, nothing can ever snatch that sheep out of the hand. Because the Father and the Spirit and the Son They work together for God's people to become God's people and to stay God's people forever. Still, is it unfair? Well, only God gets to determine what is fair or unfair. It sure seems unfair to us, but that doesn't mean that it is unfair. The simple reality is that there are those who love God and there are those who oppose God. It should be the prayer and hope of every Christian that every person would love God and know the joy of being known and loved by God. And it is our hope and our prayer that every person would trust in the cross of Christ for their salvation and that God would not be mocked and ridiculed, but worshipped. That is what we want for the world. To the mocker and the scoffer, I say, repent and lay down your arms. Let Jesus be your good shepherd. To you who loves Jesus, but sometimes may worry if you are a good enough or faithful enough or worthy enough of being in the sheepfold of Christ, that you are asking such a question is evidence of the Spirit working in your life. Don't despair over that, but use it instead and trust in Christ, for he will never lose a single one of his sheep.
Amen.